calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the iGen UK podcast with me, Simon Cardi, and Joe Scrabbles. Hi. Hello, Matt Perslow. Hello. Hello, what a lovely day it is. I'm feeling it, boys, I'm feeling loose. Are oh, you? Could be yeah. a loose one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Ooh. let loose. Um, it's only Wednesday, say, you little creep. Exactly. I know we're recording early this week because, you know, it's busy. busy week. We're just getting it where we can. That does mean we haven't had time to play gta trilogy yet but do you know what next friday we'll go fully into that and mm-hmm. say what's great about it and maybe what's not so great i don't know there might be things wrong with it i haven't played it it may be perfect who knows um instead this week it's the 15th anniversary of both the ps3 and the wii launching does that make you feel slightly ill um no they seem old to me <laughs> they seem like old, years seems old like. bits yeah i suppose i um so in honour of that, what we're going to do is, because Matt, I don't, did you own either of these consoles? I, I actually owned every console from this kind of period, but I was very much an Xbox 360 kind of person. Mm-hmm. I, and I started that generation off diehard PS3, thought it was going to do the best thing ever, owned it from launch, owned it for about four months, traded it in for an Xbox 360. Well, there we there go. We go. <laughs> well, so what we're going to do is, basically, we're not going to talk about the best games from those uh, consoles necessarily, because that's a bit obvious. You know, we're not going to get your... Well, I don't know, Joe may surprise you. We're not going to get Super Mario Galaxy. We're not going to get... No, that would be very odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not going to get, I don't know, Red Dead Redemption, The Last of Us from the PS3. What we're going to do here is me and Joe have picked five underappreciated games from each of those consoles and we're going to pit them against one another and Matt is going to pick a winner in each of those round as which it's basically it's a mini debate an argument of such of, of what is the most underappreciated games of each of these consoles um they're not good they're not the most obscure I, I don't want to speak for Joe I don't know what his games are he doesn't know what mine are Mm-mm. I've not picked really obscure games I've picked what I think are good and very good games that aren't talked about enough and maybe should be considered you know all timers I've actually tried 
on this challenge. <laughs> so I've got good, obscure games with reasons behind them. So Cardi's probably going to win, but I'm going to be oh, more interesting. You know, <laughs> I don't think anyone here cares who wins this. It's not really. It's just an excuse Massively. for us to talk about... It's an excuse to talk about games we love, because those are the most fun we have on this podcast when we talk about things we actually love rather than just moaning about things that are mediocre um let's let's get it going then i think so do, wait, do you want to go I, first yeah Jim? can we just can we just establish so we're pitching these to matt and matt's choosing yes. mm-hmm. the best of the mm-hmm. of the matchups that we create so is there an element yeah. of strategy here where the person going first is then matched Ooh. by the second is there a draft element? i don't know i'm going mine in order i've written one to five i'm just going to go straight through them in one to five you should have wow. done it as a, i like the idea that you were trying to build your like hidden gem wii mini and hidden gem wii <laughs> mini like ps3 mine does have a well, little does that, have a little spread kind of, of stuff it actually it does yeah. work. So, like, basically, these are the 10 games, if you had a combined Wii and PS3 mini hidden <laughs> gem console, these are the 10 games you'd find on it. <laughs> yeah, it was. it's the PS3 Wii hipster console. <laughs> <It's> just... Exactly. <laughs> okay. And mine are, are like, you're going to, like, I... I've not picked obscure games now, so people are going to roll their eyes like, that's a game that sold millions. I don't care. So we're going, I think it's underappreciated. Okay, we're going underappreciated. Yeah, they're are... not hidden gems. Like, my game is... Yeah, my games are not hidden. Well, they're one, one of mine is hidden as fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I, was, I wasn't crying. I was Isn't sneezing. Nose? Um, yeah. yeah, one of them's hidden as fuck, so uh, this is going to be really interesting. We've well, essentially we done two different things. <laughs> we can take turns at going first each time if you want. Yeah. We'll do five yeah, yeah, each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, I don't know, do you, do you want to go first this time? Yeah, I'll go first go with the one I think... Um, oh, we it, should make, I don't know if I made this ah. clear. Joe's doing Wii only and I'm doing PS3 only. We're yeah, not, yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. combining, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, he's a Wii boy. Yeah, Cardi didn't really have a Wii. I didn't really have a PS3. I think I had one for like three months before the PS4 came out. That was basically my, my <laughs> exposure to it. And I played The Last of Us and nothing else. No, not even The Last oh, of Us. I played, Sorry, Uncharted, Uncharted 3 is what I mean. Um, exactly but yeah anyway uh, I'm going to start with one from the Wii that I think anytime someone goes uh, hey, if you want to play a game on the Wii that, uh, and that I'm moving my glasses around a bit <laughs> if you want to play a game on the Wii that's actually pretty good and you've never heard of before it's always this one which is Zack and Wiki The Quest for Barbarossa's Treasure uh, Cardi do you know this? I've 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 definitely heard of Zack and Wiki I've never played the game Matt you did a very confused eyebrow look it's just the Barbarossa's treasure thing just makes me think a little bit of Captain Barbosa from uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I mean, Is... it's 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 definitely playing off a Pirates of the Caribbean interest at the time. I would okay. say it is a Capcom point and click adventure that was clearly meant to start a new franchise with these guys as mascots, and it bombed like hell. <laughs> no one ever did it again. Um, but it was too. The public's detriment, because Zack and Wiki was great. It is, A, why aren't there more point-and-click adventures on the Wii? It's so obviously a good idea. Like well, You literally would a point-and-click with the... You do the pointing-and-clicking with the with the Wiimote. You're pointing around and getting Zack and Wiki around. Zack's a little pirate man who doesn't speak, and Wiki is a little golden flying monkey who's shaped like a bell. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> what? How can it, you be a monkey shaped like a bell? What? Just How imagine, does that work? baby. It's all part of your imagination. <laughs> um, and it is like a really competent point-and-click adventure first and foremost. Like, it has good logic-based puzzles. There isn't... I know you both like Monkey Island a lot, but it isn't mm-hmm. your mad fucking 
chicken pulley <laughs> bullshit that people for okay. some reason like. Um, and uh, it's called having a good time, Joe. It's not called yes. having a good time. It's called clicking six hundred boxes until two of them interact with one another. No, there's logic, mate. There's um, logic. Either way, uh, I haven't made I haven't made this a good pitch to Matt. To be honest, Matt, <laughs> pretend I didn't just insult your tastes. Um, but it is a it. What it does is. Essentially, you get items along the way that are used in multiple different situations, and that's where the motion control stuff comes in, because when you get an item, you've got to work out how the motion controls work with it. Um, So some Mm -hmm. of them are very obvious, like turning a key, but other things are just like odd items that you figure out in a situation, and it uses them multiple times, so it gives you this sense of like its equipment as well as like point-and-click item stuff. But it also does some like proper weird Capcom shit, like uh, every level is scored like fucking Bayonetta or DMC levels. Like, the faster and cleaner your puzzle solutions are, the higher your point score is. And you get, like, to the point where you can get, like, S-rank scores for completing puzzles really efficiently. Um, And it also has proper boss fights. Like, uh, Matt, I know you listen to the Backpage podcast, Mm -hmm. which we are subtly ripping off, uh, which (laughs) itself subtly rips off the Big Picture podcast, so I don't feel too bad about it. Um, They brought up the fact that uh, or matt castle on that brought up the fact that his favorite video game ending type is always uh when people fight god um and uh capcom <laughs> games do this a lot or capcom derived mm-hmm. games do this a lot Are and zach and wiki does a, a pirate basically. and a monkey fight god it's a god of sorts. They go to space. Cut they throw Cardi. some alligator heads I'm at things. I'm not liking this. You're yeah, yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt sounded intrigued by this. Uh, um, Wait, is it my turn then? I don't uh, know. Well, well, no, if you've got more, if you've got and the more. only thing I was going to say is it also looks weirdly good for a Wii game. Like if you go back and look at it, you wouldn't know that mm-hmm. this was on that like fuzzy old crusty console that 480p bullshit. Like when when it when you see it, you're like, oh shit, this is actually like a really nice looking cel shaded game. It's just good stuff. Is that is that only available on the Wii as well? It's it only available released? on the Wii. I believe wow. everything on my list is literally Wii only. Wow. That is it. To be fair, that is a lot of Wii games, sadly, isn't it? I mean, well, this is going to be a hell of a matchup because uh, <laughs> I've got something a lot less obscure. So let's just let's just go back, take you back to the PS3 era when um, a little studio called Rockstar were in their heyday. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> An underappreciated they rock style ha- game. If this isn't table tennis, then you've... No, no, no here we go. D- lying. They're GTA 4, Red Dead, LA Noir, GTA 5. They even had Midnight Club LA. But I'm going to start off by saying something sacrilegious, and I apologise to any of our Finnish friends. Max Payne 3 is the best Max Payne game. Fuck off. <laughs> okay, I You're out. This one, then. You're out. You're done. I, Joe. I, oh, I will say... I absolutely love Max Payne 3. It's not the best Max yeah. Payne game, but I am a proper apologist for it. Well, I love Max Payne 3. And I love Max Payne 1 and 2, don't get me wrong. I think they're all absolutely fantastic games. But what Rockstar did with Max, Max Payne 3, I think they just they took it up a notch for me. I love the style of that story. Arguably the greatest video game soundtrack of all time. The health. health, yeah. Just an amazing score. The slow motion in that game, I know they had it in the first two. The action in that game, it's it's like playing a full-on action movie. Like It's like playing a die... Like, they never made a good die-hard game. This is a, the best die-hard game you're going to play. Can I Wait, uh, can I chip in very briefly on the, on on. the slow-motion point? Um, my favourite thing in that game is that they worked out how to deal with... Uh, doing slow motion dives into walls by a, by doing like proper mm-hmm. physics technology and 
I genuinely spent about 10 minutes in one office just bouncing Max Payne off of things because it looked so funny. And that is the mark of a good physics engine. That's the thing. I I just think it's I just think it's a great game and I feel like it got it gets an unnecessarily rough time. I think a lot of people didn't like the direction it took, which I, I can understand. I, like one and two are very noir whereas this one's very action like it's an action thriller basically and plus you've got max Payne bald with like a hawaiian shirt which is just the best look he's ever had <laughs> that's wrong so, too because it's sam lake's face <laughs> is the best look he ever had but... yeah yeah, yeah that, that is true sam um, lake's but, frozen girl look, i'm trying to oversell it here but i love max Payne 3 and that is one game that's like weirdly hard to play currently i don't think it's been like re-released or like it's not available on current systems like i think you have to go back to the ps3 or the xbox to you- play it. You've um, got to get a PC. It's one of those games that kind of like, very easy to get on PC, but yeah. very hard everywhere else. Um, sadly, you don't fight God, and there's no <laughs> Golden Monkey. And I can already tell by Matt's face that, and by the way, he told me to fuck off. I've probably not won this round. <laughs> it's um, that, like I do apologize. It was a, such an outburst that came from my soul because it's clearly not the best Max Payne, but I do like it. I think it is. I uh, well, there we go. It, it, Max Payne two. Did you know who Max agrees Payne. with me, Mister Daniel Krupp, who gave it a nine out of ten for IGN.com. And Did I, I'll always support him. For you know that what? Review. I'm not saying it's not worth a nine, <laughs> but it's not the best Max Payne game. <laughs> well, there we go. Matt, who won that round? <laughs> uh, Joe wins that round. Yes. Um, oh. Genuinely, and that's largely because kind of like I think like a. Now I've had a look at the front cover. I do remember this game. I remember seeing it around in shops. It's got a lovely idea. I like Max Payne Three is is cool and and mm-hmm. is like an interesting you know it's a, obviously not Remedy doing it and it, it it showed kind of like what Rockstar's approach to that sort of game is. I've never heard of a point and click game that works on a Capcom sort of basis. Mm-hmm. That I think is super cool and I think like speaks to the real strength of the Wii as a console and that it was like this weird. Not like dumping ground for mad experiments, but it was just kind of like like such a laboratory of weirdness that it's mm-hmm. that to me sounds like a reason why you'd want to go and buy a Wii. It's, Whereas it, Max it, Payne's kind of just a cool action game on a platform that's got lots of cool action games. It's funny that you say that because my list, I believe all but one, possibly all of them, I have to look up look up one of them, all of them basically started and ended or like their version of these games just like never happened again they came out on wii they fucking bombed because no one wanted (laughs) to play anything other than wii sports um and they are just like developers going like there's a story later on that was one of these that is the most emblematic of like wii development bullshit thinking um that uh that i've ever heard of and i think that's that's the beauty of the wii to me yeah i um I, yeah, I just looked at Zach and Wiki and yeah, I, do you know what? I'd play that game. So I think you'd really cool. like it. It's genuinely yeah. like it's gorgeous and strange and interesting. I do have a Wii U hidden somewhere. Did it, it get would work? Virtual, like, yeah, it would work. Wouldn't it? Yeah, it's all backwards compatible, so you could do. Yeah, you could do some Zach and Wiki. Ooh. In fact, I, I mean that would be bizarre if I just suddenly decided to. Cry. But that's what this is for. Maybe getting people to play games they missed. Yeah, I think exactly. I've got it. I could just give you the disc. Oh, oh, oh. that's a Christmas present, mm. Zach and Wiki. <laughs> I might just give you awesome. an old disc. <laughs> also, Cardi. I'm looking at photographs, well, screenshots from Max Payne. That's a game that looks like it's aged very gracefully. It looks yeah, really good. Oh, exactly. I forgot to mention game. that, actually. Like, yeah, just, it looks so good now. Like, and when was that? Was it 
2012? 12 is what the Steam release release date is, yeah. Like, almost 10 years old, that game. And that could, yeah, if you tell me that was a PS4 game, I know it's not a huge jump from PS3 to Mm -hmm. PS4, but yeah, I wouldn't, I would believe you. It looks, it still looks very good. But yeah, good games. Am I going first this time then? Yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry. I I just wanted to point out, I have noticed, uh, I just looked for it (laughs) for Max Payne 3 screenshots and noticed a Reddit thread that says, in Max Payne 3, Max's hair noticeably grows back over the course of the game, which honestly, Matt, if you do want to reconsider, I would understand. (laughs) Um. I do. That's from the era of, you know, when uh, Rocksteady got the the gradual degradation of the Batsuit over Mm, the Arkham games. That, I don't see it so much anymore, or maybe it's so subtle these days that it's not as easy to notice, but characters that visibly like degrade or change over time, I think that, well, that needs to come did, back. In GTA V, like, all your character's hair grows, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And their, yeah. Doesn't their beard grow as, you, as it goes? Like, yeah, but where's the Nathan kind of Drake that's looking more haggard as he goes along, yeah. along Uncharted? Maybe, maybe he does get a bit more beardy, I don't know. He's always got, he must always have a razor on him, I don't know. Anyway, so, so far on our uh, Dream Wii and PS3 <laughs> console, we've got Max Payne 3 and Zack and Wiki. Oh, what yeah. a double bill. There's going to be some variety here, and but not necessarily straight away, because I'm going straight in with another three. Um, all you younger video game players out there all, all you youngsters may not know the insomniac before ratcheting before they like reboot ratcheting clamp before they did spider-man before sunset overdrive they did a much grayer darker trilogy of games which is the resistance trilogy mm-hmm. huh. which one are you picking resistance three mm-hmm. is what i'm picking because right choice yeah because combined it brought the best i thought of the first two together in terms of the tone but it wasn't quite as muddy looking like the first i looked back at resistance one that is a muddy looking that's, game that's <laughs> the only game i really remember for, i can't believe there were three resistance games that's insane to me like well, they all the feel thing. like They're one very, thing th- this isn't news to people insomniac one of the best game studios in the world and for like like this resistance was always meant to be sony's answer to gears of war like that sort of aliens on earth like the Chimera coming to Earth, set in like an all. Did you play the Resistance games, Matt? Mm, yeah, I've played all of them. Uh, I thought you might not have. Well, there we go. <laughs> See, I, I imagine you, someone who's very much enjoyed Resistance, because it has a lot of things you like. It has the alternate history, the fifties mm-hmm. kind of weapons mixed mm-hmm. with the alien tech. Uh, you've got, you know, you've got weapons like. One of the best shotguns I've ever used in a game is in that game. It also has the Alga, which is a gun that burns through solid objects to get to other enemies. Uh, it has the Mutator, which is a chemical weapon that causes like bulbous cysts to turn into landmines on enemies and also can set out like diseased mist. I mean, and to top it all off, this game was playable in stereoscopic 3D. <laughs> was it? <laughs> Yes, I don't. I never played the Resistance. I can remember my dad used to have a 3D TV, and I can remember when I got. Yeah. So I then bought a PS3 when the Slims came out. So that was when I played these. So I played mm. the first Resistance on the launch console, and then didn't play the other two until much, mm. much later. But I didn't remember this. But I remember playing Killzone in stereoscopic yeah. 3D and Killzone feeling so ill. Was- <laughs> I remember that they released like a playable, like before PT, like a playable teaser where you'd go through in 3d like it was mad yeah that weird couple of years when the ps3 was pushing 3d mm. games as a thing like which um i'd be weird to go back to now 
which resistance was it was where they had a feud with the Church of England? Because I know that happened. Oh, where they first used a con- one, I think, because the I first, think there's yeah. a level in Canterbury Cathedral. It's like a cathedral, right? And there's a bit, because I remember that reasonably well, because you're chucking all of these grenades that fire spikes out and like mm, pin mm-hmm. people into walls. But I do remember using the, like, what do you say the gun's called? The auger, is it? The auger? The auger, That yeah. drills through auger. walls are just like yeah. obliterating half of this beautiful cathedral because you're just yeah. drilling <laughs> massive chunks through it. Yeah, Canterbury. <laughs> Look, the aliens are here. Like, yeah, I think, I doubt they'll ever bring Resistance back, but... They were very good games. I feel like, yeah, they were kind of overlooked. Like there was the first one got a bit of buzz because it was a launch game, mm-hmm. and you know it was the big launch game, if I remember rightly, for PS3. Um, but yeah, like two and three kind of, I think progress. They got, I think they progressively got better as games, but less and less people played them as they went on. What, so, um, yeah, what's, Resist- what's the apart from looking nicer? Because I I only ever played a tiny bit of the first mm-hmm. one, and honestly, just had completely forgotten there were other Resistance games. Um, yeah. What's what makes the third one specifically better than I, the others? Like they kind of, mer- I think it was the merging of the dark. Like it's the easily the darkest of the three chapters. I think it's a really dark story of these chimera on Earth, but also more alien tech than the first one had. Mm-hmm. So kind of they have bigger like robot things and stuff like that. Yeah, so it, they got more. They got more crazy with it. Basically, like mm-hmm. the first ones. If I remember, is it almost all completely taking place in almost like real towns? Like, there's not really much alien stuff in it apart from the actual aliens themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they just kind of went more more insomnia, more Ratchet and Clank with like crazy weapons with alternate fire abilities and just yeah. I and I think it, I can't remember if it was two or three that had the better multiplayer, but I definitely remember playing it at a friend's house and having a great time. But yeah, I'm going with Res- Resistance Three because that's. I feel the best of the trilogy, but you could c- c- kind of, you know, if you wanted to cheat, have the remaster trilogy remaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there we go. My, uh, yeah, my, what, what's going up against Resistance Three? <laughs> well, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and make it like a match up with an interesting okay. comparison. So I'm going to go for another game that is unusually dark or grim for its developer, which is Mad World. Did you ever play Ooh. Mad World? So I, I never played it, but I saw there. a lot of it. It yeah. is. And it looked mad. Yeah. For those who don't know, it is the first ever Platinum Games game, which is weird to think back on. Um, and it was a Wii beat-em-up. Uh, it was presented entirely in black, white, red, and yellow. So it was like a, it was exactly the Sin City colour scheme. They knew what they were doing. Um, and it's just... Uh, honestly, I don't really like its style i like how it looks i don't like what it's going for i'm not into like grim for grim's sake but mm-hmm. uh it is essentially a death game beat em up where you are in some futuristic horrible world where everyone's watching you on tv um just hitting people with a chainsaw arm for ages uh but it's got that you can like feel platinum and clover all throughout it like it's a really competent action game with like really good context kills there's not like there's not enough games with context kills anymore where you're like chucking people into walls of spikes and shit mm-hmm. um and the thing i particularly like about it is that it's all voiced by greg proops and john dimaggio like the the it's commentated on by two mm-hmm. faceless dudes one of whom is from uh that fucking improv show i can't remember the name of what's it called who, not oh, whose line um, is it anyway? Whose line is it anyway? Is that what it is? is that yes, the, whose line is it anyway? Yeah, it? it's that one. And the guy that plays Jake in Adventure Time and Bender. And it's really odd. Like, they have an 
a really strange dynamic where John DiMaggio is just being disgusting and Greg Kroops is being like disgusting but clever. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then I found out while looking up today that it was all written by Yasumi Matsuno, who did like Final Fantasy Tactics. He was like the director of <laughs> Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Vagrant Story, and like classic PlayStation games that people love. And for some reason, he went and freelanced and wrote Mad World, which. I, I was watching some footage to kind of get my bearings on it. The thing I remember, <laughs> the thing that I can't work out whether John DiMaggio and Greg Proops were improv, like in their booth or not. Because if they weren't, that means the man who wrote Final, or created Final Fantasy Tactics wrote a line where John DiMaggio says that a cowboy cut his scrotum open with spurs and his balls fell out. That's just a line in the game. If Yasumi Matsuno wrote that line, it's the best game on Wii. He was wasted on Final Fantasy Tactics. If yeah, you what's me. the point? He's writing that sort of stuff. Oh, I yeah, always, make yeah. genre-defining RPGs. <laughs> Shut up. Write more stuff about exactly. Jake from Adventure Time getting his balls chopped. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, I never played this game. I saw a lot of it because it came out a few years after Sin City, didn't it? It had that same, yeah. like, that black and white with just, just the blood being mm. red aesthetic, which at that time I think everyone thought was cool. These days I don't think anyone thinks it is anymore no. but I don't, I don't um but yeah it always just like and it's obvious thing to say it just looked mad <laughs> yeah it's one of those games that unlike i would say everything else on this list bar maybe one it's one of those games that came out on wii because wii was popular and cool and there was clearly a deal done but it mm. didn't need to be on wii at all like it should have been a normal controller game it didn't need motion controls but if you can kind of factor that out of your thinking which i know is hard um, it is like genuinely a very interesting like mm-hmm. experiment in beat em ups. I think it's so pretty what, cool. Is it just a bit like? Was there an actual proper story? Like uh, it's a, it like it does have a story. I, I must admit, I don't remember where it goes, but it is basically a dude kind of finding his fighting his way through this death game on TV, and then I think finding okay. out like the secrets of why it's on or how it came to be on, or there's some oh, sort okay. of dystopian stuff. Bit, bit running on. man to it, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. There you go. Is it as good as Resistance 3, though, Matt? Is it as good as Resistance? So, the Matsuno stuff is very interesting to me. Big fan of Final Fantasy XII, you know, over tactics. Um, mm. He also, uh, I know, did some uh, work on the Stormblood and Shadowbringers expansion for Final Fantasy fourteen, which are... I have not played these, but I have heard from a lot of people very, very good stuff about the... especially the kind of narrative elements to these. Uh, as you also know, Cardi... I'm a, I'm a I'm yeah. big into Halo and Resistance was always pegged as kind of the Halo killer or at least attempts mm. to be. Didn't quite didn't quite make it. Didn't did quite it? make it. No, underappreciated. Some would mm-hmm. say. <laughs> but you know what? I think I think I'm going to go to where my comfort lies and go for a good old mad shooter with absolutely batshit bonkers guns. I think that's very fair. That's, that's, that's... It's fine, it, yeah. and it makes it a nice little, you know, one or it makes it a, a nice friendly affair, which is what we want. Um, I'm just glad you didn't swear at me this time. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen again. I must say um, that that talk about good contextual kills. I agree, and I tell you what, we need uh, mid more of Sleeping Dogs. Remember the contextual kills that are in yes. Sleeping Dogs. There are some dogs incredible so ones in there. Was that was that PS3? That would have I, I might have missed that one for underappreciated, <laughs> but um, I don't know if it. Yeah, it's it's still very good, isn't it? I played a game recently that had good contextual kills. I can't remember what it is, and now it's going to really bug me. Um, what would I have played recently? Where you like? I don't know. 
but contextual kills are very good, and I agree there should be more of them. Joe, what's your third one from the Wii? I think I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Mm. The hipster's yes. choice for for Silent Hill <laughs> games. Is this Barlow's? Is this this the one is Barlow's. That's mm-hmm. the thing to, to bring up. People who don't know, it is a reimagining of the first Silent Hill game made outside of Team Silent and led, or partly led, by Sam Barlow, who went on to most famously make her story, but also telling lies, and basically mm-hmm. sort of... Uh, always enjoys doing weird shit with narrative and silent hill shattered memories is on the surface a normal silent hill game you are investigating an abandoned town there's psychologically inspired monsters etc etc but it does some weird bullshit like there are constant flashbacks to having a psychological evaluation and the game Mm -hmm. outwardly tells you that you are being profiled when you answer those questions and will change the game based on what your your answers are. So, like, if you find if you're asked whether you find I think it's a character sexually attractive, if you say yes, then they will dress them more sexily in the next thing, etc. Like things that just like small changes or mostly small changes that kind of reflect the the answers you've given mm-hmm. um, and sort of re- have a some bearing on your character's psyche in the game. I've played very little of this game because it's so fucking frightening having phone calls come out of your Wiimote. Um, like, it's such a good... It does weird stuff like... Uh, yeah, you you have a cell phone in the game uh, and you basically... All the things come through that horrible tinny speaker on it and it's just... It's the worst. It's so, it's so unpleasant. <laughs> Is that one where... Uh, with the Wii Remote, you do stuff with the torch as well. Yeah, so this- the the flashlight is entirely Wiimote controlled as well, yeah. which is honestly, I think, one of the best Wiimote implementations. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's so... The, the more scared you get, the less useful it is to have your torch. Like, it really <laughs> works. Like, it makes sense. Um, and yeah, it's just... Uh, I think it's just a really smart, interesting take. There's no combat. You can only run away from combat. Um, so it gets rid of what I think is one of the weirdest things in Silent Hill, that you would be fighting a lot of this stuff. Um, and it has a really good, like, properly good twist ending. Um, it's just... Which I had to look up, as I say. Um, uh, but it's just, yeah, it's it's just a really cool idea. And, like, does some good stuff with, like, exploration as well. It's not just cramped places. It's, like, spaces that you look around and, and you know, mm-hmm. a bit more freely, a bit less sort of harried it's like there's less survival I mean, horror it's, it's the last good silent hill game we've had because downpour wasn't much yeah was it? if i remember rightly people, I don't, I don't angry people, that, uh, people are already very angry with me that i said max Payne 3 is the best max Payne. so definitely getting some feedback this week barlow uh, also but, said it made him partly made him quit to become an indie because people don't want kitchen sink stories in games and like when you look at it in that respect it is like mm-hmm. it's just a story about a dude having some trouble in a weird town like it's very sedate for a video game despite it having psyche monsters um like i think that's a really cool interesting point it's like he tried to make something very personal uh, in a silent hill game even more so than normal i thought it's very cool Hmm. yeah it's a very cool entry and you know what i've actually got fittingly one to go up against that which um is another one which does very good and cool stuff with story and i feel like this is one that always pops up when people have an underappreciated games list 
it may be a bit obvious, but there's a reason why it always makes these underappreciated lists, and it is Spec Ops The Line. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Which, in Which is the ways you described... underappreciated. <laughs> yes, it is, by people, because not enough people played it, Joe. It is underappreciated. <laughs> Same as same as Silent Hill, it is. I would say it's in the same bracket as doing very cool things that not enough people saw. Yeah, um, all right, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> there we go. Look, I said these are these are reasons. These ga- these are games that maybe are considered very good, but I think should be considered in that that echelon above yeah, in, in the very best of games. Now, if you and can live with yourself, that's all right. <laughs> I'm living with myself, mate, because not only does it have a similar thing to Silent Hill, which is a very cool story, doing clever things with mm. flashback flashbacks and and plot and twists that I don't want to spoil because it's still a very playable game now and a very good story. But if you don't know anything about Spec Ops The Line, it kind of did something that military shooters weren't doing up until that point. Like, on the surface, it's a very, you know, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare in third person, except it's not because it's based on Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. So you're basically getting a modern-day playable apocalypse now set in like a disaster struck dubai which kind of ticks a lot of boxes for me and it's just a brilliant game like it doesn't do a lot like the gameplay i will say it's not revolutionary gameplay it's a pretty standard cover shooter game it's not the best shooting gameplay you ever play in the world it's serviceable but it services the story very well and there's some great choices to be made and kind of i feel like showed a level to maturity to games that we just hadn't really seen in games mm. up until that point, like the w- things it was doing with story and its interpretations of war. You know, like even if a lot of Call of Duty games say they're trying to show you both sides of war, they're very much aimed on let's make this fun and let's make this loud. And like, whereas this was very much focusing on different aspects of war. And yeah, it really, for me, signaled the start of games becoming cinematic alongside like red dead and uncharted like it was this game as well that really yeah made games more like films for me i think it's one of those it's one of those games that i think uh struggles because because it helped change the medium Mm -hmm. that now when you look back at it you're like a bit on the nose bit embarrassing like some of this (laughs) stuff is a bit you know like easy but when you actually think back to what games were made like at that yeah. time it is kind of fucking incredible that it came out am i right in thinking spec ops was an existing series before that as well uh, yeah there was so a it, game before it yeah. and it was just like gun metal normal that was just yeah just a standard business yeah military shooter yeah like uh, yeah and then, then this came out massive, nowhere and like, kind of anti-war pian uh and with like interesting my favorite little detail in it is you are always going down you never you, yes. or every area ends with you lower than you were before it's a descent into hell um and uh you know just like all that thinking you don't get that shit in in these kind yeah. of games i would i would love a remaster of that game because i would i'd happily play that again because i don't remember all the details i obviously remember the big beats of it and the choices you can make which are quite harrowing at times they do <laughs> some um, but they do some really good stuff with um uh like voice acting in that game as well like it's because it's nolan north isn't it the main character yes and they do stuff where like the way he's just his barks and his lines as you're shooting throughout the game like subtly change until by the end he's just like gone full fucking insane and it's not just cutscenes getting that across it's just like throwing things he shouts when he throws grenades or reloads and that kind of thing yeah and the performance like really stuck out at a time when performances were starting to become 
like more and more important mm-hmm. in the medium as well. Like it's it's a really impressive thing. Which is why it doesn't blog on this list. (laughs) (laughs) No, because people, a lot of people, like you talk to people, they haven't played it. And I think that is the kind of fault that it kind of came with that Spec Ops thing, which, you know, wasn't a huge series at the time, but people thought, oh, it's another Spec Ops. Whereas Mm. they should have just gone, they should have got rid of the Spec Ops brand, just called it something else. Uh, But yeah, I know, I imagine you're a fan of this game, Matt. Uh, I do think it's good. Uh, Yeah, my only reservation with it is the fact that i think like i think part of the story it was trying to tell through both the narrative and the gameplay is actually that like war is actually weirdly mundane to a degree um Mm -hmm. like quite a lot of the time you're just walking around and quite a lot of the time because you're having to do you know constantly using combat drills as the way that you work it I think it plays a bit mundane and I think that is there for to almost to a degree to, for a reason but I think it's the wrong kind of gameplay choice to have made I would much rather have played more entertainingly alongside mm-hmm. that story rather than just kind of I like I feel yeah that is what lets it down is it's very middle of the road mm-hmm. cover shooter don't they do some cool. cool stuff where you can shoot and make like drown people in sand though because that seemed good <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm getting a feeling here, Matt, that you may you may be leaning the way of the hill. This this has been the most difficult one so far, I think, because I think they are both. Um, so I've played Spec Ops: The Line. I've not played Silent Hill: Shattered Memories. Now this might be a case of me like the grass is greener on the other side, but there's a part of like, I've always wanted to play Shattered Memories. I have no idea where my Wii is. It could be in one of like six different places, which is why I've never got around to it. But I'm on a bit of a horror kick at the moment, and especially for horror, the you're saying Spec Ops doesn't have. Well, I mean, horror, it mate. does, but very real horror, mate. <laughs> there's something. The thing that I really like about horror films, in particular, is uh, and games are very good at, at doing this because of the way they can be so much more immediate. Is I like horror that genuinely like manipulates your feelings, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because quite a lot of horror is designed just to be a bit of fun. Um, yeah. You know, kind of like slasher tropes and and you know when you look at some of like um you know various halloween films and various nightmare on elm street and stuff like that is designed to you for you having fun that's very much where kind of like something like until dawn comes in um horror games that really manipulate you and make you feel grisly is something that i've got like a real kind of intrigue in and i think that shattered memories is doing like that profiling and the fact that it's you know, it's not about the combat, that it's about the kind of, you know, making you feel emotions in quite a horrible scenario. Uh, I'm very intrigued by that. So I'm afraid, Cardi, it goes to Joe. And do you know what? In all fairness, it is probably a much less played and Mm -hmm. less appreciated game. Whether it's a better game is is a different question, but I know that's not necessarily what we're doing. Otherwise, I would just pick GTA V. (laughs) But that's not the game we're playing. Although I will Um, say, Cardi, again, looking at uh, screenshots from Spec Ops, that's that's aged pretty gracefully. Yeah, like a lot of these games have, I think. Like, back end of the PS3 onwards, games don't really, I don't think, have aged too badly. Mm -hmm. Because even the original Last of Us looks good. Like... Like yeah, I feel like and GTA Five still looks good. Like yeah, I think from like twenty ten, twenty eleven onwards, you kind of we hit we've hit a point where they don't look too bad. Yes, thank you. But yeah, so Shattered Memories is going in. So so far we have um, Zack and Wiki, we have Mad World, we have <laughs> um, Sh- uh, Silent Hill Shattered Memories, we have 
Resistance 3, Max Payne 3, and Spec Ops Line. I promise not all my games are shooters. Uh, uh, one more of them kind of might be. But uh, one of them definitely isn't. And that is going to be my next one. Which is, I think, this generation of games with uh, your Xbox 360 and your PS3. It was kind of, you know, it was the start of the indie game boom. There was the summer of arcade. There was all the great indie games on PS3. Like Journey won our game of the year in uh, 2012. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, one of the best games I've ever played. Mm -hmm. The one I'm going for, though, was another indie game released in 2012 that I think is better than Journey. And it is The Unfinished Swan. Have you probably played played this? I have played The Unfinished Swan. I think you'd like The Unfinished Swan. Is this the Edith Finch studio? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's the game made by Giant Sparrow before... What Remains of Edith Finch, and they do the fun little na- thing, don't they, of putting a bird name in all the games they make. So you've got Swan, you've got Finch, they are Giant Sparrow. I, I just love little... Th- There's no need for it, but I love the little details. Um, so and it's kind of... It's the game they made before Edith Finch, and it's in way... It's an odd tangential semi-prequel to it as well. There are links to it. Yeah, it's really um, weird. If you've played Edith Finch... I don't know, yeah, if you've played Edith Finch... I don't know which way around it would mean more to you. Like, there's a section in Edith Finch having played um, the unfinished one already that meant a lot more, and I was like, that's really a cool thing they've done there, which I, I don't want to ruin, because uh, if you haven't played either of those games, you should definitely play, because, what again, What Remains of Edith Finch is one of the best games ever made. But I feel like the unfinished one laid a lot of groundwork for what the unfinished one was trying to do. It was an emotional story, not... Not nowhere near as affecting, I think, as Edith Finch, but still a really sweet story of a boy named Monroe who just starts. This game just starts in white, empty space, and you can't, like, you can't even tell if you're in three D space. It's just a white screen. You have to work out, and like, you progressively make your way through by kind of painting the floor and painting the walls with different colors. Like to start with, you only have black, so you just shooting like black paint across the screen hoping to find walls and pathways and like i think a giant toad is one of the first things you you walk into um but the game just over time develops more and more its mechanics you get different colors you get like a water gun at some point and there's just it has much more interesting gameplay that i think than edith finch attempted to edith finch is much more it's, I don't like the term, but it's more of a walking simulator. There's not many, like you know, there's not puzzles to solve necessarily. You're doing little things, whereas this was very much there's full on puzzles to solve at I times. Think, and that was part of the problem with Unfinished One at the time. I saw people being like, oh, "I don't want to play the fucking game where you just paint the world around you to get around." Sounds boring. When actually, it's because they'd hidden the fact, and it's yes. far enough past that we're not spoiling anything. That there are actual like different mechanics and puzzles to solve mm-hmm. as you go through in that game, which yeah. I think is really cool. I mean, it's only a three, probably a three-hour game off the top of my head, and yeah, for only like the first little bit, are you really just walking around painting walls. After that, yeah, there's like you said, there's puzzles to solve. There's this massive swan, which <laughs> which is at times terrifying. Um, it's just a really sweet story about a boy who's trying, you know, who's trying to like he's chasing after this swan that's escaped a painting and learning the story of like the king of this land who incidentally is voiced by terry gilliam which is a lovely touch see yeah you've got a bit of monty python in there so yeah i think you'd like this game a lot matthew right i'm gonna go for an equally sweet game uh (laughs) is this a 
I don't know if this is a setup for something that's no, not. No, it's really it's legit. <laughs> oh, okay. Rhythm Heaven Fever. Um, oh, those are you, three words together that sound very good. Have you played Have you played Rhythm Heaven before? I, either I, of you? I've not. No. I did not own a Wii. I only owned a Wii U. Well, it was on so. multiple different consoles. We can't know, but I didn't go back. Um, it <laughs> is uh, the easiest way I think to put, to sum up Rhythm Heaven is like, what if WarioWare was a music game? Like, it's every every level is a very simple like press A or B to keep to the rhythm of like weird songs with like really gorgeous vibrant animation like strange cartoon style and like bizarre situations um so the best way i think i can explain rhythm heaven fever is essentially i will explain two of the mini games to you one of them is you are a wrestler doing a post-match conference where he's really sweaty (laughs) and the entire song is made up of uh, a reporter saying rubber dubba 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 dub is that true and then you have to press a to go Ugh. <laughs> and then occasionally someone else will say pose for the fans and you press b and you just flex your muscles and that's the entire game but it's a really good little strange <laughs> song made up of just those elements and another one is just two little like cavemen with plants on their heads on a cloud floating up a tree trunk and having to bat away balls and cubes and for some reason it's just two french voices a man and a woman saying things like dance and turn (laughs) (laughs) and that's it that's the song this sounds Um, just as emotionally affecting as the unfinished one (laughs) but it is like it's there's no like it's not WarioWare in its it's not trying to be like kooky it just feels like it's come out of someone's like it, there's a i think there's a reason fever is in the title like it's come out of some bizarre like hot dream that they've had um and so much of it is bizarre and then it does all the smart stuff you would hope where it's like taking the last six games and remixing them into one song where you're having to remember the rhythms of each one and like it gets steadily harder and harder and it's just like it's a really good strange rhythm game um and that, i th- i feels like it might be the end of the like, rhythm i've heaven. heard i've heard all the other games you mentioned i've never heard of this game have you not it's, no it was a whole series rhythm heaven was on ds first it was really good um passed me by completely oh it's brilliant um, it's really good. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if it's... I'm trying to find out, I should say, I should. if it's the end of the series. It might be. I should also add, uh, just I'm finished one, mate. It's available now on PC. Uh, <laughs> so it's available on Steam, uh, in case you do want to... Uh, You're supposed to be making a yourself. case for the fact of these, like, un- undiscovered gems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not undiscovered gems. They're <laughs> underappreciated. And the fact that you haven't played it... And you, you are someone who I consider has played almost every single game so if you haven't played it then it must be underappreciated right, you know what okay. he hasn't played the one where the wrestler goes yeah. <laughs> which i have to say cardi your description of the unfinished one did not make me laugh the description of ribbon heaven it's not meant to make you laugh it's, it was meant to make you cry no. yeah, but you didn't, didn't elicit any emotion that was the thing uh, but that, I wanted to let the game do that itself because I didn't want to spoil it. Mm. That's the, I, that's the uh, I've, I, I do have like a like of weird kind of randomness with a French accent, so I'm sort of captured <laughs> by this. But Terry Gilliam, mate, it voices a king. T- Terry Gilliam's on the bad list these days, isn't he? He's not. He's not. Is supposed he? To be, yeah. 
Yeah, he got kicked oh, out well, of the old I, Vic, Everyone he? is these days. I don't know what's good anymore. He's good in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Rhythm Heaven Fever sounds bonkers, and I'm going to go with that. That is mad, Joe. Yes. You pulled that one out of the bag. Incredible. But do you know what? I'm feeling good about my last one, because I've definitely pandered to Matt with my last pick. <laughs> I, well, so. I th- when you see my last one... I think you'll feel even better. <laughs> and you're gonna if you thought that Spec Ops Alliance is considered um too big to not be underappreciated, you're gonna be very angry at my last pick, but I have reasons as okay. to why. But it's you first anyway. Um I will caveat this by saying I have not played this game. Um and I had forgotten <laughs> until today that it even existed. But I was just doing a brief kind of look around for footage and of um of stuff and I kinda of looked up like other people's opinions on underappreciated games. Because unlike you, mm. I, I care about the format. Can't I, I definitely care. Uh, I just wanted to share some passion for games. Yeah, I, I can't wait for fucking Uncharted Two next. And then um, <laughs> it'd be very funny if you did guess the game. I was going to say. And then uh, and then I stumbled across a game I had completely forgotten existed called Deadly Creatures. Have you ever seen Deadly Creatures? I can remember going into mm-hmm. uh, like a PC world that had got like a massive cardboard cutout in their mm. game section of this. It is bizarre. Cardi, do you know what this game is? Yeah, isn't it like uh, spiders and snakes killing <laughs> each other? It's from a what game. I remember, it's a narrative action adventure where you play in turn as a tarantula and a scorpion. But they are <laughs> following around two horrible men in the desert, and the story is just the story of these men, and you're just playing insects, following them and killing other insects. The men are played by Dennis Hopper and Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> That is excellent, to be fair. Uh, You've sold me already. They are searching for American Civil War gold, and then Dennis Hopper's character knocks out Billy Bob Thornton and steals the gold, and the tarantula and scorpion follow him back to his gas station. Um, I will say, A, it's fucking bizarre that this game exists in the first place, because it is essentially a standard action-adventure brawler of the time, except you are playing as insects, so it's kind of odd and it includes like context kills again like you're knocking (laughs) beetles onto spiky cactuses and shit um it's really grimly done like it's a properly brown like have you seen the film killer joe it really reminds me of the world of killer joe (laughs) like horrible like it's not what i expected from the very uh little i had seen of this game (laughs) yeah um it's uh there's like you fight rats and you have like proper like martial arts fights with rats with a scorpion stinging its brain um and then the final boss is dennis hopper's character with a shotgun trying to shoot you on the floor who you defeat by climbing into his trousers and stinging his dick um <laughs> what are these like got you've had scrotum cutting your yeah. venomous <laughs> penis so you sting dennis hopper's dick enough that he eventually gets bitten by a gila monster which is one of those big lizards uh and then gets so angry that he accidentally shoots the gas tanks of his own gas station and kills himself and that's the end uh, of the game I feel far less confident now than I did before this game because Matt's enjoying himself too much. But we, I, uh... we gave this game an eight out of ten, and from what I can tell, people what? yeah, no, people really liked this game. Like it's, I think it is a good action adventure game with a very bizarre choice. The fact mm-hmm. that Dennis Hopper and Billy Bob Thornton in it is is completely wild to me. Um, I and I just the more I looked it up, the more I was like, 
I don't want to talk about Little King's story. I want to talk about Deadly Creatures, a game I will buy and play as soon as I can, because it sounds fucking nuts. What what a mini console we've got so far. Of Deadly so Creatures good. Um, oh, yeah, um, the thing I missed out, because I, I referenced this earlier. The director said it came from a dream. He had a dream <laughs> about controlling a snake with a Wiimote. And then just went into his office and went like, right, we're making a game where you control horrible creatures with Wii controls. And they eventually gave up on the snake and just went like, uh, yeah, we'll do a, a tarantula and a scorpion. Oh, yeah, it's fucking incredible. Uh, it does sound very, very good. I mean, um, Cardi, you better be uh, full on pandering thing, if you're going to win is, this one. I am fully pandering. And I feel like Joe's going to be annoyed. But here, here I'm going to set this up before saying the name of the game. So... This is probably the least hidden of all these games. This is a game that sold, I think, fairly well. But I, the more I think about it, the more I think it's one of the very best PS3 games and actually one of the very best games I've ever played. And whenever I think of the PS3, this game comes into my head as like the strongest memory of playing it and being at uni and playing through this game nonstop and I couldn't get enough of it. And genuinely, I would say this game is a 10 out of 10 masterpiece. Mm-hmm. That maybe does not get the love it's a, and that is Deus Ex Human Revolution. Wow. Underappreciated. <laughs> it's got ten out of tens. <laughs> it's underappreciated because it should be considered one of the greatest games of all time, and it is not. You are such a cheater. I'm and so I'll tell you why it's underappreciated on because we got one more. We got one more Deus Ex game, and we haven't got another one since. People don't love this series enough, and it's underappreciated because I don't get any more of them. But and I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but I want another day of sex. <laughs> the thing is, though, is that people loved that one enough for it to get a sequel, right? It yes, got and then it went a bit wrong. Yeah. Then no one bought that one. If you don't know what Deus Ex: Human Revolution is, it's basically the game Cyberpunk wanted to be. Yeah, and yeah. if that isn't much of a sell, then. I don't know what is. But yeah, it's all about your players. Adam Jensen, if you don't know the story of Deus Ex, who works for a... He's a security officer who has augmentations, which are kind of... They're considered controversial. And you basically... You're doing like your classic cyberpunk infiltrating a, a dodgy company, trying to take them down sort of thing. And just like this is... Like, up until this, I think this was the most... Bear in mind I hadn't played Mass Effect or anything like that before this like this is the first game i played and i was like i can literally do any of this any way i want and like you can play that game as a full-on fps if you want you can play it as a stealth game you can play it as fully hacking like i don't remember and maybe i'm wrong and matt will probably correct me up until this point in my life i hadn't played a game that gave me that much freedom level to level that that game had mm-hmm. i mean um, because presumably you hadn't played like original looking glass games that obviously it it bases itself on but that's like those sort of games very rarely existed in the console space right mm-hmm. yeah and again this is a game if you look at now it could have been made a couple of years ago it still looks amazing like it's so stylish just all those like glowing golds and yellows like it's just i don't know there's not enough because like joe said people absolutely love this game but i would argue that this is a game that is considered very very good that should be considered an absolute all-timer that isn't like i would have this in like my top five ps5 with like gta 5 last of us red dead and i don't know something else like i love this game so much and it's rare for me that for some reason i decided the first time i played this game i turned up to the hardest difficulty and just played it on the hardest difficulty i had first time round 
and it was just such a fulfilling experience and i i don't know why i chose to do that but i feel like that was how that game was meant to be played and just elbow just, chiseling nice. your way through exactly it's, it's yeah. the stealthiest i've ever played a game in my life and i had a fantastic time mm-hmm. with it. but yeah my my underappreciated hidden gem is the critically acclaimed <laughs> deus ex human revolution <laughs> so i will agree on you that like it seems to have sort of disappeared from the conversation but i don't People know don't if... talk about it anymore mm-hmm. is what i'm feeling yeah like yeah what it doesn't fulfill the brief, though, does it, Cardi? You've it does, done it, you've chosen my... it, because you Look, know that I love it. <laughs> shall I tell you why it fulfills the brief? It's because I'm the one who set the brief, which was <laughs> underappreciated games. And to me, this is underappreciated, despite being very well appreciated. You set the brief, but Matt is choosing which wins. So if he thinks yeah, yeah. it's not underappreciated... No, no, no. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, I've not broken any rules. If Matt wants to pick the other game, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be heartbroken by it. But I'm I'm justifying why I've picked one of the best games ever made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know you're torn because Deadly you also yeah. very much love <laughs> I, well, I can see because I know um, Matt's torn because he also does probably agree that Deus Ex is a f- absolutely fantastic game, but it's also annoyed that I've picked. <laughs> I feel like what you, you you've you've sabotaged it. You, you, if you I haven't picked sabotaged it at another it. point, it would have been. I would easy. have picked this if it was Dale sitting there and not you. I would have still picked this game because it is it is amazing. <laughs> Do I need to say any more about how good their sex is? No, Does no, I know exactly how <laughs> anyone. Good it is. No, no one's I'm... penis gets chopped off. <laughs> no, to be fair, I'm going for Deadly Creatures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I know why you have, and the podcast will now be ending. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there uh, we go. Well, what a list we've got, though. That's a great ten games for the console. It's very good. I'm just gonna, uh, um, I'm just gonna send you both a picture of the moment where the guy's dick gets stung because it really made me laugh <laughs> oh, earlier today. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, there you go. Is it safe enough to be today's thumbnail? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just his face screaming. <laughs> He uh, he looks wow, yeah. <laughs> That's that game has not aged. That's exactly well, what I was it? about to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that I'm just looking at that pizza. That uh, that pizza. I was going to say that picture mm. now, and that Matt is beating Deus Ex Human Revolution. Well, is it? the thing is, is that like pretty much everybody knows how good Human Revolution is. I had no idea Do that they, Dennis Hopper gets his dick bit by a snake. <laughs> That's very true, and that wins. That should win any game. So congrats, Joe. You've actually won this 4-1, to one, but little surprise for everyone. All 10 games are making the console that is not being made. So um, there we go. We had... So I had Max Payne 3, Resistance 3, The Unfinished One, Spec Ups the Line, and Deus Ex Human Revolution. And Joe, you had... I had... Sorry, I've turned it off. <laughs> you had, you had, I had, had Zack and Wiki. Rhythm Heaven Fever, Mad World, Silent Hill Shattered Memories, and Deadly Creatures. What a list. I mean, that those 10 games will get you through a good amount of fun, I reckon. Good bit of variety on there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, A lot of genital slaughter. Oh, a lot Jones. of genital problems, really. Yeah. Uh, we've, um, we've spent an hour doing this. <laughs> well, and that is why people love this podcast. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Um, why don't you write in any of your PS3 or Wii hidden gems? Or yeah. Maybe next week we'll read out some of those at IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN. 
com. We're going to very quickly now go through a few other things that we've been playing and seen. It's going to be like a speed round, because we haven't really done a lot the last week, to be honest, but there's a few things we want to highlight. Number one I want to highlight, I cannot stop playing Forza Horizon 5. It is one of the best games of the year. Echoing what I said last week, it's fantastic. It looks insane. It's stupid how good that game looks. <laughs> I know it doesn't... I know it's not original thought. It just... Every time yeah. I turn it on, I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it is like yeah. I know it's stupid. You're just like, this looks amazing. Like I did a great race with some uh, like jet ski riders last night, nice. and that was just like they like a lot of games will kind of you know do the thing like when they want you to look at something they'll do like kind of the sneaky like oh why don't we pause here and look at the horizon to look how beautiful it is. Whereas this game will just full in your face, do slow mo for five seconds, and go like there's no shame in it. They're like yeah, this is cool, isn't it? Look at this. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, it's just a very, mm. very, very, very good game. Yeah. Um, the thing I like about this yeah. one that the previous one didn't do is that like, as you hit the milestones, it asks you, well, what do you want to invest in now? And you choose where the Horizon yeah. Festival expands to. And I think, you know, ultimately, like 90% of this game is the same as what the previous one was, which is no bad thing because the last one was a 10 out of 10 racing game. But having that little bit of extra choice of sort of like where you focus your attention, I think really suits it. Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, out now on Game Pass, I did mislead people last Friday. I apologise by saying it was out today. It was out if you had the premium edition, and I apologise. But it is now out for everyone, so everyone can enjoy Forza Horizon if you have Game Pass. I think they said, is it 4.5 million players at the moment? It's, it's uh, the yeah. biggest launch that Xbox Game Studios has ever had. That's insane. Like, And I think that just shows how good this game is at Playground, of just catering to the most hardcore of racing fans like the idiots like us who just want to have a laugh like flying around the countryside smashing into things and everyone in between like it is lit- it is a game for everyone like yeah you know, you know, I know if that's you were kind making of like... the actual Forza wouldn't you yeah. just look at this and be like what's, what's the point <laughs> yeah, I mean if I, <laughs> I, I know asked? people like motorsport and people love like, I used to love Gran Turismo as well like but after playing Forza Horizon now I'm like why would I want anything but Horizon? Like, because you it. get the races and everything else. So, yeah. Also, on Game Pass is Unpacking. Have either of you played any of Unpacking? I have not yet. No. It is. If you don't know what Unpacking is, it's just a very chilled out. It's hardly even a puzzle game. Like you're basically, it's like a very loose narrative game. You play as this. You start off as this girl unpacking her bedroom. Like and there's just cardboard boxes in the middle of this room, and you take one by one, you take things out of this cardboard box, and you place them around the room, just where you think. If you were designing your bedroom, where do you think these things? So, like, would the cuddly toy go on the bed? Would the books go on the shelf? Probably. Like, you do things logically like that, and then once you've unpacked everything, maybe one or two things will flash red, and they'll be like, "Well, these aren't in the right place, so you've got to find the right place for these couple." Of so, there's very loose puzzle elements there, but. Yeah, it's just really chilled out. It's kind of, it's got really nice calming music. I only played like an hour. I did the first three levels and it kind of gets more and more complicated. So I got to the third level, which has like five rooms in a house you have to unpack and like certain things from some boxes belong in different rooms in the house. So you have to keep cycling mm. between them. And like, you know, do I, I don't know, is this towel a bathroom towel or is it a tea towel for the kitchen? You Sometimes you won't know until you've really unpacked it. You know, there's a lot to unpack. Um, My only but, uh, knowledge of unpacking is everybody getting yes. angry that nobody knows what the, uh, or, or allegedly nobody knows what the GameCube is. 
No one knows what what, what the big purple yeah, cube. <laughs> people think it's like a kitchen appliance or something, right? <laughs> something That's like that. It's, it's been one of these whole things for like old grumbly millennials to get angry at Gen Z about because they don't know what a fucking GameCube is. Yeah, Admittedly, yeah. it doesn't look exactly like a GameCube. It's definitely no. a, a, a non-IP infringing GameCube. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it was pretty obvious to me, but yeah, it's just a very chilled out game. I don't know. I, I don't think it's very long at all. I'm, like I said, I've played like an hour. Um, but it's just a really chilled out time if you have Game Pass. Um, yeah, you want to relax unpacking someone's house. <laughs> yeah, I've never really gone through the horrors. Like, so I moved to uni, moved house a couple of times there, and then came back. I've never really had the horrors of like my family have always had the same family home. I've never had that. Like people always talk about the horror of moving a whole house. I've never had that. So maybe I don't have any flashbacks that could be caused by this game for some. I'm but, really worried about moving house because we moved into this place unfurnished and then filled it. And now I'm like, as soon as we move out, I'm going to find out that my bed has to be pulled apart to get out of the house. The oh, sofa no. has to be thrown out of a window. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. But I, yeah, this game also does weird things. Like, it really does get to the part of me where I need everything in, in order. Like, all the books on the show. You can put them in any order you want, but I need to have them going from like tallest to shortest in order i can't have them all different heights so like does my head in so uh yeah i've definitely I, i'm very much enjoying this game maybe check it out on game pass matt you've seen the french dispatch mm-hmm. wes anderson's new film it is yeah that is uh not as good as some of his other films unfortunately oh is it not i'm really no. looking forward to it. so it's one of these like i was really looking forward to it because it's if you don't know the french dispatch is about journalists working for the french dispatch of a kansas kind of newspaper um and so i was looking forward to a film about journalists it turns out it's not it's a film about journalism very very distinct kind of change there um, but it's got a really interesting setup, which I do appreciate about it, which is it's basically the New Yorker as a movie. So it has almost essentially a front cover, then a forward from the editor, then three kind of journalistic stories, and then like a conclusion and the back page. And there's some animation in it, which is very, very much like the New Yorker's cartoon style. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Um my main thing is with it, I don't really care so much about anything that happened in the stories. And some of the narration is so fast and so overly Wes Anderson styled that it actually becomes slightly difficult to follow in certain areas. The middle story, especially with Timothy Chamelet, some of the details are said so fast and so stylistically that I got one very, very important thing wrong, which meant I thought one person was his sister. And it turned out, unless <laughs> Wes Anderson is trying to say something very odd, definitely wasn't his sister. I mean, Royal Tenenbaums kind of crosses that line. Yeah, in. yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, that. yeah uh, um, but yeah, so it's, again, like absolutely peak Anderson in terms of visual style. Like, I think this is the most he's indulged in his personal sensibilities. A lot of kind of... Obviously, there's always that static framing, but, you know, he's got this slightly odd fascination with kind of very small countries and their militaries sort of fighting. Mm. Yeah. A lot of that, a lot of, like, weird little police forces blasting through walls and Leia Saidu in, like, a very tall hat. It's like two sets. I'm into it. It's like two. I'm just imagining two sets of guys in like pastel-coloured, strange uniforms running from either side of a frame and sort of Mm -hmm. hitting each other with truncheons for a little bit. Yeah, it does that. It also does like. There's a really 
like from a like a filming standpoint, there's a really just impressive panning shot where everybody's frozen, but it's quite clear that he hasn't just frozen the frame. They've done this whole thing where like there's a man with a flail, and they've obviously glued each of the individual links of the flail together, so it looks like it's freeze framed because everyone's slightly moving, so you know. But that is impressive because there's a good piece of action freezing to an almost comedy element is mm. very good. I just. I don't know if it's because they're short stories. I never found myself investing in any of these individual characters in the same way that I would invest in the characters of, say, for example, the the Grand Budapest Hotel. And so I came away like reasonably cold about it. Um, there's Bill Murray's character I really, really liked, but he has got about six minutes screen time, and I wish that it had been more about him than any of these other individual stories they were telling. And... The final story has got like a really good kind of gut punch of an ending that's quite smartly put together as a as a joke, basically. But I do wish that it wasn't a joke and there was more of that kind of peppered through the the whole film. Um, it's one of these ones I want to watch it again, but almost as short films so I can mm. hyperfixate on them and kind of sort of like fully take in every moment of the narration and actually get fully invested and not have to worry about like where it fits in everywhere else because i don't need to try and follow it as a film anymore i know they're individual stories that don't link um so one i hated the life aquatic the first time i saw it it's now one of my favorite wes anderson films so i don't want to give it give it too much of a downtrodding i think it could potentially grow on me but yeah, yeah. it wasn't it, it didn't oh, come away as it. an instant new favorite I know what you mean. West Ham's films can take a while. Like first time I saw Royal Tenenbaums, I didn't like it really, but mm-hmm. second time I, I really got it. But yeah, am I right in thinking his next one's awesome. out next year? Isn't he doing a one, another one really quickly because this got delayed? I think Maybe. I know that there's been a news story about saying like one of the cast members is just like you won't believe the amount of people that are in this, even for a Wes Anderson film. Isn't Tom absurd. Hanks in the next one? I think it's like something. Like I think that, he's yeah. gone like full classic Ast- Asteroid City. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the cast at the moment, yeah, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, Jeff Goldblum. There's more. <laughs> but yeah, that's only a few of them. Like, yeah, it seems like everyone, he must just be, those films must just be very fun to work on because everyone wants to work on Well, they, I think the but, thing with French Dispatch as well, like, you can get all those people involved because they only have to be there for like a day or two. Yeah. Like, they're all exactly. doing tiny parts yeah. of tiny stories. I think that's Elizabeth Moss is obviously in this one and she's, she's in the trailer so you almost think it's going to be prominent. She's in like three minutes worth of footage. Like, she's not even a character. Oh, actually, speaking of Elizabeth Moss, can I just quickly add to our running order the fact that I watched finally watched The Invisible Man, and it's fucking brilliant. It's great, isn't it? I haven't watched it. Get on it. It's genuinely so... We watched it on Halloween. It's so good. Like, Mm -hmm. a really clever thriller with, like, elements of sci-fi, elements of horror, really interesting framing. Like, if you've watched... um, upgrade lee wannell's film before that that dude loves like a camera move that you weren't expecting um and just like really really smart stuff and like a great like metaphorical backbone to it as well like it's telling you about the world through the means of a really entertaining horror film it's or thriller Mm -hmm. film it's it's fucking great you've got to watch the invisible man I will get on that. Thank you for the recommendation, Joe. I've got a recommendation for everyone, which is less of a recommendation if you haven't already watched all of Dexter, but Dexter is back in Dexter New Blood, which I was, I'm not going to lie, quite wary of because I think Dexter is notorious as having one of the worst last seasons of television 
probably ever for at least for a show that up until that point was very very good like the first five seasons of dexter i think are very good is it the fourth or the fifth season the um fourth is john lithgow yeah incredible one of the best seasons of television Mm -hmm. probably ever but yeah that last season of television absolutely dire um but he's back and it's uh, it's set 10 years after the events of the end of dexter and he is now i don't want to spoil the but you know you're gonna, you know, he's still alive at the end of Dexter now because they've made us, they've made a show ten years later with Dexter in it. But he's now living kind of a new life in the middle of nowhere as a owner of a gun shop, uh, well, the manager of a gun shop, anyway. And yeah, it's all about he's kind of settled into a normal life. He's got a new girlfriend. He's got he hasn't killed for ten years. Like he's he's living the straight and narrow. If you didn't know the the whole conceit of Dexter, basically, the original he's a blood splatter and I'll. Uh, uh, analyst even uh for the police but also happens to have a penchant for killing he's um, got a dark passenger exactly he's a he's a serial killer but his the whole twist on it is that he only kills people who deserve it so he's kind of a vigilante but quite a murderous one um so you're kind of it's always that it's in that era of you know before breaking bad and before you which you is just a straight rip off of what dexter is um entertaining in its own way but absolutely just what dexter is but uh yeah, it was amazing. And do you know what? The first episode launched of Dexter New Bud, and I loved it. I think they're back on track. A lot darker than the original Dexter ever was. There wasn't, there's not really any ton in cheek stuff necessarily yeah. in this first episode. Um, I think we'll get more of it, uh, judging by what happens in this episode. But um, yeah, a lot darker tone. Looks beautiful as well. Like, the original Dexter never really had amazing cinematography or anything. It just it looked it looked good, but you know, it wasn't anything stand out. Whereas this one looks beautiful, a lot of a lot of snowy stuff going uh, stuff going on. And yeah, I'm just glad Dexter's back. Mm. Is basically. it just Dexter or is like Deb back in it or uh, do I? I don't. I don't want to say any. You know, if That's you're going to watch it, yeah. There's only ten episodes. I don't know if they're doing several seasons or if this is just like ten episodes and done, like trying to correct. Uh, the past in a way because I think everyone like all the actors like everyone was unhappy with how that ended and like they just want to try and correct what went wrong so um yeah if you're into Dexter and you didn't you felt like oh, I'm, I'm done with Dexter I'd give it another chance because it looks to be good um Matt you want to quickly talk about Arcane yeah I'll, I'll be very quick I know we're, we're making a very long podcast today but yeah Arcane mm-hmm. is the League of Legends television show that has just dropped on Netflix there are only three episodes on Netflix at the moment it's going to be released in blocks of three episodes over three weeks um, so you can watch the first three I've watched the first two um, it is hands down the best animation I think I've ever seen at least on television if not going into you know bang against the likes of Pixar. It is an absolutely stunningly beautiful uh, TV show. And uh, and yeah, I think... Um, so it's animated by Fortiche, who do the who did the mm-hmm. the um, the KDA kind of music videos. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Cardi, I know you'll know about this since we made an entire Just documentary. Um, but um, it's got a different art style to those... Uh, uh, music videos um it's set in the world of rune terror which is the world that league of legends takes place in but league of legends much like um overwatch for example it's not it's a multiplayer game right so it's not actively telling a story but the people behind it have all this lore that you know in overwatch comes through very small cinematics and, mm-hmm. and comic books right and 
League of Legends almost feels like it's beat like Overwatch to the bat a little bit with like actually being the first to be able to bring those stories to TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically like it's not necessarily the story I expected it to tell, but it's so it's set in I think this is called Piltover, which is a very kind of steampunk sort of influenced kind of um, beautiful city that has an undercity, and the kind of the main characters are a group of they are champion well. Are they champions? Yeah, I think they're champions in um, yeah. in League of Legends. But um, they're younger versions of them, so it looks like this is kind of like an okay. origin story leading mm-hmm. up to where they become those characters that you play as in the game. Um, very much requires no knowledge of who they are or Good. how League That's works. That's what I've heard, because I want to check out, and I've also heard it's, it might also be beneficial because if you play the game, you know these characters and almost it'll take some of the mystery of the plot away because you know some characters will end up being enemies or mm-hmm. will end up, yeah, like getting into conflicts. Whereas I don't know, really, I know the names of some of these characters. I don't know where any of their allegiances lie. So I'm kind of going in completely fresh. And yeah, I think, I think I'm going to give it a go. Maybe once it's all out, I'll just mm-hmm. binge it. Yeah, well, it's only, you know, it, it's not like you've got to wait 10 weeks or anything. Like this week yeah. it will drop the next three and the week after it drops the final three. Um but yeah, it's it's got that like it's got a reasonable amount of heart, which I quite like. It's it's definitely a story about the haves and have nots. You know, your your main characters are from the undercity, which is the poverty ridden like district. And, you know, there's the envy of those who live above. I think the thing that I really like is I've always, even though I'm not a big League of Legends player by any means, like I haven't played it for years and was bad at it when I did. Um, but I think Riot are almost second to none in terms of their art, like you look at kind of like the the key art they release for each new hero and sort of like their new skin designs and stuff like that. They have an astonishing art style. And it's an art style that's very video games and you don't tend to... We don't get a lot of fantasy right on TV and when it is, it's now Game of Thrones and The Witcher sort of pretty much looks like Game of Thrones, right? And Wheel of Time, I'm sure, will look very similar to those shows. Whereas this is a very distinctly like that steampunk that you only get in video games where it's very very techy and everyone wears very very cool sort of like tunic style uniforms and this Mm -hmm. you see a lot of like the enforcers which are the police that work in the upper city coming into the lower city and have like these wonderful like brass gas masks with little like tinkery bits in them and so it's all of this stuff that i love that i quite frequently see in games but never get to see it beautifully animated and brought to life in a Mm -hmm. medium that's got a bit more money for that yeah I've always wanted the Overwatch version of this, and obviously Blizzard are in a in a place at the moment where that's probably not coming anytime mm-hmm. soon, if ever. So, yeah, I'm I'm willing to give it. Maybe I can't see my ev- myself ever playing uh, League of Legends because it's it's not a game for me. I've yeah. I've watched it. I don't know what the hell's going on. It's it's not for me. But like you said, those characters do look very cool, and there's what over a hundred of them. So I don't know if, yeah. how many of them are going to be in this show. Well, but, it, um, the thing I like is it, it it's kept it very very small. So they are actually characters. Well, at least like four of them are characters that i did know from my time kind of playing mm-hmm. league but the thing i do like is a lot of them aren't they're just characters that have been made for for the show they're like the, the background and side characters and you know some of those come more to the forefront so i like that it doesn't just feel like oh here's a bunch of video game characters that are doing mad things it, it does feel more of an authentic lived in yeah. sort of place that actually has it's, a story to it's tell exactly what they've done with their music isn't it they've taken the characters and done something completely different with it yeah and i know didn't i will say if you know the music like this is a riot production through and through like the intro of it is a music video and it's imagine dragons 
Like it couldn't no, be any okay, more right. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Um, didn't the Dota, Dota TV show already came out? Didn't it? Was yeah, that not, that did was... that not go down as well? I think that was a bit more of a case of like if you're into Dota, you're probably into the show. I don't know if there was as ease of access there, but also that that looks like a fairly standard anime. This just looks like it's out of this world. How well it's animated and how distinct the style is. It looks absolutely nothing like anything I've watched before. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, maybe check out that. I know I'm going to Arcane on Netflix now. Well, for three episodes are anyway. Um, we, as we said, we are already running long, so I think sadly we are going to have to skip the end of search this week. Otherwise, we will be here all day. And I know Matt and Joe are very busy people. I have nothing better to do. I stay here all day. But you know, um, let's go straight to feedback. I've got one here from Jeff Smith who says, "Sup, gents. I just watched 15 minutes of Elden Ring, and it made me think." If you could inject a game directly into your veins, what would it be? <laughs> no, but seriously, are you a Pop Boy fan? What's inside Pop Boy? I didn't expect Pop Boy to have a British voice. From the Pittsburgh Jeff, <laughs> Pittsburgh Jeff, who says respect the ceramic man. Yeah, I like that. Look, that's a fun um, little switch on the sea, but please do keep <laughs> respecting the sea. Yes, it also will yeah, kill never you. keep that out of your mind. Um, I'm, we can very briefly talk about Elden Ring because I know actually probably next week we'll talk about it more once because the closed network test is happening, people will get a chance to play it. From that 15 minutes though, don't get me wrong, I wish everyone who likes Elden Ring and likes Dark Souls and likes Sekiro and Bloodborne a wonderful time with this game. It does look great. Still not for me. It, it looks like open world Dark Souls. I know I'm going to play an hour of it and give up. Um, but I do like Pop Boy. Pop Boy is very good. I want to see more of Pop Boy. Do you know what? I kind of did expect him to be British. Well, they've I'm, all I'm got British voices in, in, in Bloodborne and, and Dark Souls, really. They're all mostly voiced by British people. Yeah. So I assumed that everything would be. <laughs> it would be funny yeah. if it was Gilbert Gottfried, though. <laughs> he was just like, ah, come on! Um, I can't believe it. it. I just can't believe it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure you're interested in Elden Ring, Matt. Uh, it looks basically like i obviously i like the dark souls games but um it's less the open world stuff i'm I'm less fussed about that you know like i prefer i the reason why i like dark souls is how curated it is and how kind of like like real kind of precise bespoke that it's the fact that it's dark souls with a real like emphasis on magic for me like i love the look of those magic attacks and magic spells i also think it looks like it might be slightly easier to play it in co-op i haven't played the network test yet but my hope is i can play this 100 percent in co-op rather than yeah. having to burn so embers or whatever enjoy those games. Like i tried doing bloodborne co-op but you have to do the whole ring the bell thing and like yeah. and as soon as soon as like you fail or die once you have to do it all again you can't just jump in it like if it was just invite a friend and join i'd, I'd probably play those games uh but yeah I'm, Tell you I'm what you want to play then, that Final Fantasy, um, you know, the um, the mad one with the chaos, what's that called, Final Fantasy Origins? I've played that in co-op and it actually works exactly what you'd want a co-op uh, Dark Souls game. cooperatively kill chaos? Yeah, exactly. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. Joe, do you care about Elden Ring? Um, I care about it for two reasons. One, uh, the open world thing seems like it will solve my my issue with dark souls which is frustration like i i do just get it's the reason i stopped with bloodborne like i think bloodborne should be my thing but i just hit one guy that i just couldn't beat for ages and i was like i don't fucking want to do this ever again um and the openness of this and seemingly from what i can tell i haven't actually read our hands-on preview yet but it's by mitchell so it'll be very good um 
the openness, the idea that I could not just like approach something from different directions, but go and fuck off and do something else. Like that mm-hmm. really appeals to me. Um, and if there's elements of grinding and, you know, like I could come back and do that thing better, that circumvents a lot of my issues. And if it is, you know, full Breath of the Wild, the open, then I'm even more excited because there just haven't been many open worlds that deal with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the they other thing I love... Oh, carry on. No, no. Uh, did, did they say it's going to be four-player co-op as well? Have I made that up? I think there is an. Uh, I think there is a four-player element to it, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, the other thing I'm super excited about is the magic because it looks like it's ripping off Dragon's Dogma, which everyone should be fucking doing. So well done. See, well, Someone finally had the ball. If I played that game, Joe, I would have had it in my underappreciated PS3. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but, uh, if, there, if there is uh, a spell where you can wrench meteors from their orbit and into the floor, randomly occasionally hitting you and your friends, then it will be perfect. But we'll see where we and get to with that. Elden Ring actually as well, probably more chance than in most games there'll be some sort of some sort of violent scrotum action. Uh, yeah, but it was more like a giant monster. Exactly, it yeah. will be a scrotum on legs. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or like a guy scro- riding a scrotal king. A guy yeah. riding a big the scrotal sc- chariot. Um, yeah. The b- balls of mayhem he'll be called or exactly, something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I mean, ceaseless yeah, discharge is already taken, sadly. Uh, but yeah. it's it's disgusting. Um who's got the next email? Joe. I've got this, and I apologise in advance because uh, I don't know how to specif- specifically pronounce this name, but I'm going to say Ogius Diolica. Or Ogius. I'm not sure. Depends where you come from. I'm sorry. Hey, IGN UK crew. First time, long time. Before I say anything else, I should mention that I am a big, big fan of all of you and enjoy your weekly discussions and digressions on pop culture and British leisure food items. <laughs> leisure food. I love that. Leisure food is a great way of like putting le- food you don't need to eat. That's exactly. actually a really good well, show. I instantly thought of like leisure centre food, like the things you'd find in the vendor machine at a swimming pool, like oh, toffos or toffos. bears. Do you remember those um, <laughs> bottle caps? They yes. were like they were like soda flavoured hard candy. Oh, they're so good. I love bottle caps. Um, I recently moved to London for my master's programme. We got a smarty pants on our hands. And as a result, I can quite... <laughs> he didn't write that. Uh, and as a result, I can finally understand what you mean when you extol the virtues of products like Muller's yogurts. I have a particular affinity for strawberry flavour, by the way. To come to the point of my email, the UK seems to have given up on the whole pandemic lockdown thing quite a while ago. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, as a result, I was able to watch a film in the cinema after a long, long time, and I lost my temporary cinema virginity to Daniel Craig's final outing as 007. And what an, what an appropriate <laughs> set of words to apply to Bond. Um, in no time to die, he should say. Or does say, and I should say. I quite enjoyed the film and found it a satisfying ending to Daniel Craig's arc. I agree. It has excellent action scenes and a fairly well-constructed emotional story that constructs to the current... Sorry, that connects to the current Bond's backstory. I realised that I had quite forgotten how action scenes look outside superhero movies, so some tense boots-on-the-ground fight scenes were just what the Doctor ordered. I think that's a very good point. We are accustomed to people being thrown through the air. Yeah, flying with lasers. Yeah, you're not getting that in Bond. You will get some lasers in Bond. True. To elaborate on exactly what I enjoyed, and I always enjoy exactment, I can pick out two specific sequences. One reminded me of a video game stealth mission where Bond uses the cover of the fog and the forest to take down groups that outnumber him using traps, misdirection, and quick kills. 
A sequence near the end is much more reminiscent of a Call of Duty mission, where he effortlessly mows down henchmen in small spaces using his rifle. I saw an interview of the director, Kerry Fukunaga, where he said he was inspired by the sound design in video games like Red Dead Redemption when he was working on the film. Finally, my question. Do you have scenes from movies that remind you of video game sequences? It doesn't have to be action scenes, it could be a witty back and forth that resembles an RPG conversation, or even some soothing scenes akin to playing What Remains of Edith Finch. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts on the same. Uh, and then he says lots of nice things. Oh, and he says a drowning story. When I was little, I was pushed into the deep end by my swimming teacher every day as diving practice. Consequently, I respect the sea so much that I never learned how to swim and never go within <laughs> 10 foot of a beach. <laughs> wise. Cheers. Very wise. Uh, um, a film that feels like a game. Um, I mean, I feel well, like... Kind vi- of... I feel like video game language is just going through films more and more you know as directors come in who have played get like mm-hmm. the one the, the classic bit of film criticism that ev- no you know like everyone said at the time was the raid was a video game like it was literally mm-hmm. going up levels to get to the boss um yeah. as was dread uh yeah as was die hard yeah. yes although <laughs> die hard was moving between levels yeah. that was less like I, structured in mm-hmm. that way i definitely see it i know that's not the question but i definitely see it the other way around like we said with like max Payne. that's very much an action film that's playable i think um we're getting that i feel like it's yeah we're seeing it the other way around a lot more i don't know i'm trying to think what film have i seen recently i mean i mean almost anything with a single take well a single shot kind of thing right like so um you think of like the the daredevil sequence in the netflix Mm. show is feels very much kind of like a like a not a side-scrolling beat-em-up, but you get what I mean, like, because the camera's constantly following mm-hmm. you in the same way that, like, God of War kind of does that. It's interesting that God of War sort of does that to emulate one-take movies, whereas mm-hmm. actually a lot of, I think, a lot of directors, especially younger directors, their single-take action sequences are probably influenced by the idea of, like, video games that don't break camera. Yeah. Um, so stuff like it's that. Things like things like john wick as well i think is kind of mm. may have been influenced by something like max Payne. i know we mentioned max Payne a lot today but it's got that sort of feel and you've got the things like the uncharted movie that doesn't seem to resemble the video game whatsoever <laughs> the um uh, the thing that like i definitely don't think it was inspired by video games in and of itself but it reminds me of video games is that bit in Shaun of the dead where he's planning how to get to the pub like doing yeah. like all the all the sequences, the steps you need to do to get there feels very like because I'm sure that's mm-hmm. a reference to heist movies and that kind of thing. But from our perspective, yeah. I definitely look at that and go like, oh, this feels like planning a raid or you know, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like working I mean, out a lot of Edgar Wright stuff. I mean, it's an obvious one, but Spot- Scott Pilgrim is based on a book that's basically based on a video game. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is going through levels. Like, yeah, I feel like yeah, there's some examples. I'm. It's tough on the spot to think of them, but. There's a few. Um, Matt, one last piece of feedback. Yeah, we've got this one in from Mark from Glasgow, who says, Hey there, folks. Was playing It Takes Two with my partner after it arrived on Game Pass this week, and I encountered an odd scenario. There is a segment of the game where one player is equipped with the ability to set explosives and the other the ability to ignite them. Upon discovering a a selection of loose rocks in a wall, we both instinctively set the explosives and ignited them, only for nothing to happen, much to our disappointment. It feels like the kind of thing that's almost expected to work in a game now, and akin to Chekhov's gun, it seems a weird choice to put it in if nothing's going to come of it. What examples can you think of where certain elements always mean a certain thing to... 
where certain elements always mean a certain thing across different games. For example, cracks in a wall mean a secret passage. A checkpoint or health before a room means there's going to be a boss fight. Any examples of this that you don't like? I know Joe had mentioned the idea of shadows appearing on the floor to signify the things that were about to fall on that spot when he was playing through It Takes Two. Thanks for the podcast, respect the sea, and death to your enemies. I think I remember that exact bit from It Takes Two as well, because uh, I definitely remember like a block, yeah, like some loosely like put together rocks that seem like they should be explodable and they're not. Um, there's a couple of bits in that game actually. I think there's like another one where you like you can jump on something and if you jump on it, it kills you instantly, and it's just like, well, that was unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel I can't remember what game it was recently. It might have even been Guardians. Like I was so attuned to like going around every corner and expecting there to be something to pick up sometimes though you'd go around a whole like section and there Mm. was literally nothing and i was like was there meant to be something here i don't know yeah but like that's one that gets me in games like exploring places that you've quite obviously made as a way i can go but there's absolutely no reason for me to go down there the um i think i've seen i think i've said this on here before i can't remember like a few years ago when I first uh, got together with Anna, my girlfriend, she hadn't played games for a very long time and kind of asked for some suggestions. And at the time, that game Goragoa had just come out. I don't know if you remember, like really beautiful, thoughtful, yeah. interesting, non-violent puzzle game. And I was like, right. She was super into art and design. And I was like, right, this feels like something that will really appeal to her. So we started sitting down and playing it. And almost immediately, you realized like, oh, this simple puzzle game includes so much like video game language that doesn't apply to any normal person who doesn't play video games and in, in, immediately makes it really hard. So, like, if I picked up something green, I'd be like, well, here we go. I'm going to find something green. And when you actually explain that to someone, you sound fucking mad. Like, <laughs> you sound like an insane person going, like, matter-of-factly, mm-hmm. green goes with green. <laughs> I mean, that's just obvious. You're like, <laughs> why? And it's because we've just played fucking Metroidvanias for 25 years. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's always... I think that's always super interesting. Like color, color scheme stuff in yeah. general is always one that, that's another one um, that actually, uh, yeah, it's to do with color schemes again. It's actually in the most recent Call of Duty. You play as the sections as Laura Bailey's character, and she can climb walls. And the bits you can climb are clearly yellow coloured, and it's just mm. like that is like such game language. Now I don't know if it started in Uncharted, but that's the most recognisable for me is yeah if something's got a like a little yellow handle on it that means you can climb it tomb raider <laughs> like had a lot of white scratches everywhere mm-hmm, yeah. that kind of thing and um, then uh far cry always has the same like tied up knots in a mm. bit of um rope hanging off things yeah mm-hmm. um yeah god of war i think did that really cool thing where it was like you're literally following freya's footsteps so it makes sense that those things might be there left for you um and that was the only it's time I've mo- ever it's seen your that mother's made. writing, isn't it? Isn't it your your mum's the one leading you on in, the way uh, yeah. in God of War? She's the one who's left all those uh, drawings. When you say your mum, <laughs> as in, as sorry, as in um, Atreus's mother, as yeah, that's in your wife, isn't that it? That's not Freya. Oh, freak! Is it fri- freak? Freak! That's what I'm thinking. There we go. Sorry, I don't want people to get angry with you. Um, that's fine thank like you like i just don't well it's also no, just uh, you saying your mum did that <laughs> really your mom me did that. yeah it's actually your your mum <laughs> uh, god um i think that's all we've got time for this week that's quite you enough your feedback yeah ign underscore uk feedback at ign.com tell me why max Payne 3 is not the best max game 
Matt's playing game, why Deus Ex is not underrated, and maybe let me know what your uh, underappreciated PS3 or Wii games are. Also, um, let us know whether you like the format of the head-to-heads in general, because I think that's quite good for quiet weeks. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, like, as a I like doing more feature things. Experiment. Things we like. Exactly, yeah. Lovely. And we'll... I'll, I'll, I'll not bend the rules so much next time. Um, what should we have some, for some music? Maybe... Should we pick one of the Forza bangers? I don't know about you, I said it before, I love whacking on the classical station and bombing around. Oh, the classical um, station's always the best. And they have Mars f- from a uh, holster planet. Oh yeah! They play that when you get to the top of the uh, volcano. Yeah, it's so good. So maybe we'll, in a, in a real high class affair here, maybe we'll go out with a bit of Holst's Mars from the planets. <laughs> uh, there we go. Goodbye. Ugh. That's that wrestler. <laughs> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.